0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the can, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. We're joking up here because it got real quiet, and I thought the rapture <laughs> was coming, and Tice said he might have to go to the bathroom before the rapture happens because if it takes longer than 20 minutes, he's going to be in trouble. So anyway, welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints, and I am so glad to have most all of you. We've got two over here that's going to cause problems today. Uh, that I'm glad y'all are here. If you're tuning in on Facebook or on the website or a live stream or listening to us on the radio. So anyway, welcome. Uh, to my left is Ty Weber. He is our... Uh, ranch manager. We have three ranches now that I get to say. Three ranches: two in Colorado, one in Illinois, and where we raise beef cattle. And got anything, Dad?
1: Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's gonna be a good one. I can tell. It's gonna be way better than last year. Um, we got a lot of beef to give away, guys. We got we got two big freezers full. We got our big walk-in freezer um, set up. We're just waiting on a part. And so we got three more beef coming this month. Um, So give some beef away. Help us out. Um, I want to give a shout-out this morning to to Mike Doyle, Big Mike. He's my longtime friend. He's down in Australia. What's up, Mike? He's been watching and recruiting down there. So we we got a contingency down there um, that we're going to have to go visit at some point. Um.
0: (laughs) We can't even make it to Illinois. (laughs) True. You know how long that flight is?
1: Well. More than 20 minutes. It's longer than the one to Israel. <laughs> it's better than going on a boat. So <laughs> so, so thanks for watching, Mike. That's it. Oh, you got anything? No. Okay. Uh,
0: do you like cowboy poetry? I do. You do? Uh-huh. Why? I mean, wh- what is it about cowboy poetry that you like?
1: Oh, it's it's really unique. Uh, I really like cowboy poetry from cowboys that have been there, done that. Right. Not, not ones that are just... <laughs> Just like everything else, to put on a hat and plot words. um, Say yee-haw. Yeah, I mean, it really... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. The the rhyme and the verse are different from any other poetry.
0: Yeah, definitely. You learn new words, too. I mean, you always learn like a colloquialism or... Especially uh,
1: because they can't get
0: words to rhyme. That's right. They have to make (laughs) up a word. Right, exactly. Exactly. What about you? Yeah, I
1: like cowboy poetry. 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 Poetry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think it keeps the the romance alive when it's no longer there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's an insight. And you've lost it. That's yeah, a joke. Yeah, yeah. You've no, lost it. I just have uh, it all the, the time. I just cowboy up.
1: That's all I do. Just cowboy, <laughs> just, just cowboy up. <laughs> uh, you're the best I've ever seen at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the reason I ask y'all is because I got a letter yesterday from one of my mentors. Ralph, and from Texas, and inside it was a poem by a guy named Mark Davis from Marfa, Texas, and Mark worked for Ralph on the Big Bend Ranch down at kind of Presidio next to the uh, Big Bend National Park, and it's really good. Now, I'm not a cowboy poet, so forgive me, Mark, if, uh, if I butcher the rhyme and the cadence and all of that, but I thought it was good enough that y'all need to hear it. It's called Seven Words. It was just a dream, that's all. I remember now I was half asleep. It woke me just in time to call a friend whose love I keep. In my dream, it appeared half torn, a page that, like my friend, was worn with age, a passage lean in words, but not forlorn, just a message from a sage. The rugged verse was bold at its best, even though with blood was stained, but did not speak of death, or did he complain. How it managed all the years, loves full measure to preserve, to live in love and not in fear, an example of seven words. And with that worn out verse, there's no way to pretend that life is not far worse for the lack of just one friend. It was not a dream at all, I remember now it's clear. It woke me just in time to call a friend whose love is dear. I recall just how it all began. The dream, the verse, bliss, greater hath no love than this. Seven words. Very well done, Mark. Very well done. So uh, anyway, uh, I will not be preaching on cowboy poetry because there's no way I could do better than that. And uh, so why don't you start us off in prayer?
1: Good morning, God. I'm just so glad to be here today to to share your word with with uh, friends and neighbors and loved ones and brothers and sisters and just ask that you put your your hand on all of us this morning and open our ears and, and our hearts to your word. just want to thank Kevin and Mitch and, and uh, all those who help at this ministry and help lead in this, in this world. Uh, the path of righteousness is really hard, and, and we just need everybody's support. We need God, we need your love. Uh, to be able to do that for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Matthew today. We'll kind of be all over the place in Matthew, so if you want to kind of follow along. Uh, The other day, it's been a week or so ago, um, I went to Walmart. And as I was pulling in to a parking space, and I don't know what it is, but... It's really hard to park a flatbed dually anywhere. Um, but, you know, I got it into this parking lot or this parking spot. And as I was getting out, these people were putting their groceries up in the car right next to me. And I was like, Howdy. They were like, Howdy. And I went in, no big deal. And I came back out. And there was another car parked there because they had got their groceries and left. And I nearly lost my christendom because they had—they didn't just leave their cart out; they put it right by my driver's side door, where I had to move it. So I'm gonna take—I'm gonna ask everybody: How many of y'all put your carts up at Walmart? And I'm gonna take a picture. And everybody, don't raise their hands. I'm following you to Walmart because that's put your carts up, right? Put your carts up. That's that's one of my convictions it's not that hard it's not that hard put your carts up well after that I came home and I'm by myself it was right after that kind of big snow that we got about a week ago or whenever it was and I pulled in and I was going over to feed my horses and I did something I turned the traction control off, and I did donuts by the shop. Why not, right? I mean, sometimes you just got to have a little fun, right? And I was out there, whoa, I was having a blast. little kid got brought out in me. And then the next day, I was out there, and I was hooking up my trailer, and Ty snuck up on me like an Indian, like to scared the crud out of me. <laughs> and we're sitting there talking, and then he said, Is that you that did the cookies right here by the deal? I thought I was going to get in trouble. I was going to get scolded by the by the ranch manager. And I was like, No. <laughs> he called them cookies. I'd never heard that. Have y'all heard that? Doing cookies? Donuts, yeah. I mean, they're both around. I just, I had to ask him this morning, like, What did you call that? Is that cookies? I don't know. I mean, just, we call them donuts because everything's bigger in Texas. But anyway, Today, we're going to be talking about two things, okay? Two things, convictions and humor, convictions and humor. See, convictions are the foundation, maybe like of our house, okay? Convictions, and when I mean convictions, I'm talking about those deeply held beliefs that are uncompromising, okay? Deeply held beliefs that are uncompromising. You know, convictions are like the uh, foundation of a house, but I think that humor sits on top of those convictions, and that's what everybody sees, okay? You you can't just walk down the street and kind of get a sense of somebody's convictions, right? But, you know, if somebody's laughing and you know, giving strangers high fives and everything. That's what you see. You can see humor. You can see joy in somebody. So I think that joy is kind of like, you know, the, the frame of the house and the doors and the windows and all of that stuff. Listen, I've never pulled any punches with y'all. If God said it, I preach it, no matter how tough it is to hear. But I've also made you laugh. Because if I can make you laugh, you're listening. And if you'll listen, I'll tell you about Jesus Christ. And I think Christians in America need these two things in 2021 better convictions and a bigger sense of humor. So, conviction. What do I mean by conviction? Listen, there have you, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's noticed this, okay? There are very little Bible-based convictions left in the world today. It's just not there. A conviction that is set upon truth and not the whims and flaky desires of man. Have you noticed how, you know, that old-fashioned stuff that your grandma taught you now seems outdated and like bigotry and stuff like that? And Oh, you know, they're... Who cares what those people do? They can lead their own lives. Yeah, they can lead their own lives, but just because they lead their own lives doesn't make make it true, right? We've lost our deeply held beliefs of the convictions of the truth of the Bible. Why can't we get back to that? Why can't we get back to that? But you know, I think convictions come in three areas, okay? Convictions come in three areas. The first one is a conviction of belief. Okay, who is God? Right? Who is God? Who is Jesus Christ? Why did he come here? These are things that, you know, do, do we really believe that there's more than one God apart from the Trinity, the triune God? Well, there's a lot of gods. No, there's not. I mean, that, that's a conviction of mine. Nobody's ever going to convince me that that there's another God apart from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a conviction I have. I'll go to my grave believing that, and I believe that Jesus Christ was God's Son that lived a perfect life. And I have people argue with me. They're like, well, he wasn't perfect. Yes, he was. That's the the whole point. Sorry, he lived a perfect life. Somebody asked me one time, they're like, so you're saying that whenever he was learning to walk, he never fell down? Oh my gosh, you breed! I said, "Is falling down a sin?" They're like, "Well, no." I was like, "Okay, then." Being perfect means he never sinned. Doesn't say that he never smashed his thumb with a hammer. They say he's a carpenter. So I mean, but these are these are convic- belief convictions. These are the foundations that that all of our faith resides upon. Do we believe that Mary was a virgin and gave birth to the Son of God? Yes, I believe that because the good book says it. Convictions of belief are the truths about God. Then there's truths of character, or not truths of character, convictions of character. This is how your convictions start to change you from the inside out how your convictions start changing you on the inside, okay? And working their way out. Now, just because you believe something on the inside doesn't mean that it's going to immediately manifest itself on the outside. Let me give you a perfect example. Ty, you might want to go outside. I know this is going to bother you. He has been nearly whipping me with a rope, Because I always tie on. And when I'm learning to dally rope, and I rope something, about, I'm probably at three out of five now. About three out of five times I know. You know what? One of the greatest truths I've ever learned is that your saddle horn does not move. It is in the same place every time. But you know what I do when I rope something and go to dally? I got to find it right? It's been in the same place my entire life. I don't know where it might have gone, but I know that I'm not supposed to look down because when you look down, you lose, uh, stuff can go wrong. It's really dangerous. But that's a, that's a conviction of character. I know it, and I try to practice it, but that doesn't mean that, that, you know, I can do like these other guys do and just stack them on and blah, 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 right? That's a conviction of character, where it starts to change you from the inside out. Because we can take those beliefs and move them into character. Okay? Because if we believe that God loves us unconditionally and he tells us to love others, then inside there starts to t- a change starts to take place that you, you can love other people right? Now, you may not be very good at it. I'm still working on it, okay? I'm still working on it. And probably about the same ratio. Three out of five, I don't do very good. But anyway, that's beside the point. You see how a belief will start moving in to your character. And then you have conviction of action, okay? Okay. This is when you put your convictions into action. Just like I said, we know we're supposed to love each other. That's a conviction of belief or conviction of character. But when you actually do start loving other people, that's a conviction of action. It has gone through the entire process. It started with our belief in God. Then it moved. He started changing our hearts about this stuff. And then we start doing it. Okay? You notice how conviction of character and conviction of action is basically the definition of repentance? When God changes our heart and we turn away from sin and we start doing it God's way. Is that not repentance? I mean, think about it. I preached an entire sermon on repentance and said that that seven-year-old little girl's definition of repentance was the best I'd ever seen. Repentance is being sorry enough to quit. Being sorry is a conviction of character. Quitting is a conviction of action. But the whole point of this is I think that we're, the church in America is on shaky ground because no longer do we stand up for our beliefs. Because, and I don't think it's because we're cowards. I don't think we really know what we believe. You know, our, maybe our foundation is still a little bit wet, and it hasn't set. But I think that we need to get back. Because if I take a stand, and George takes a stand, and Ty takes a stand, and Dell takes a stand, man, if, if we all stand up for what we believe in, we can be the mighty force that the church once was not a tyrannical or anything, but of loving people, of doing what God called us to do, being set free from sin. Repentance is being sorry enough to quit. I said we'd be in Matthew, but that's in a second. Mark 16, 16 says, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. It all starts with belief. I got a question for you. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Then why don't you do what he tells you to do? Why don't you do things the way he says to do it? I was asked that, and it's hard. It's a hard question. I get it. I'm not trying to trap you, but it all starts with belief, okay? It can't move to that action without a solid foundation. Let's get back to that. Finally, humor, it gets me in a wreck all the time, especially with people that don't have a sense of humor and they breed, oh my gosh. (sighs) Okay, let me compose myself. So, here's another question. You don't have to answer this one, it's rhetorical. Was Jesus funny? When you picture Jesus, what do you picture? I mean, think about it. Yeah, he's always serious and crying in the garden or raising the dead and everything. Have you all seen Passion of the Christ? Okay, it's a great movie. There's one scene where Mary goes to get Jesus, and he's working on a table. And, you know, they have to wash their hands, ceremonial cleansing, before they eat, he washes his hands, and then he flicks water at Mary. And she does like this, and like she hits him, and they both start laughing. It's the greatest part of that movie to be. because that's the part of Jesus that nobody sees. But is there hidden in Scripture some parts that Jesus had a sense of humor? This might be the most revealing thing you've ever heard, and I'm going to show you. Matthew 23, 24, and we're going to go through these quickly. Matthew 23, 24 says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Okay, simplified cowboy version says, you blind trail guides will pick out a piece of dirt out of your coffee, but then eat a mud pie. Now, why were they doing that? Because in Levitical rules, you could not eat a swarming insect. And they had gnats, and you know how gnats get in your water and stuff like that. They literally would pour whatever they were drinking through a sheepskin or whatever it is to strain all the gnats out but why is this funny because if you go back to Aramaic let me read this as if it was in Aramaic. You blind gods you strain out a gnat but you swallow a cat. In Aramaic they rhyme he's I mean he's making a pun. People would have laughed at that. Just like if I you know, just said, you, know, you strain out a gnat, but you eat a cat. He was trying to make a point, but he was using humor to do it. To maybe soften the blow, I don't know. But it was funny. In Matthew 7, 3, Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Okay, how exaggerated is it for somebody to be walking around, not knowing it, and they have a two-by-four sticking out of their face, right? It's exact. I mean, he's going to, he's exaggerating it to make a point. I read an article one time about a little kid that thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard, and his dad never looked at it like that. He's like, why are you laughing? He goes, dude had a big old stick hanging out of his eye, Right? Jesus is being funny. He's exaggerating. Matthew 19, 24. It is easier for a camel. I don't know what it was about Jesus and camels, but there's a couple of them. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, some of you have heard, and it's okay. Some of you have heard, well, the eye of the needle was this walkway door in the wall of Jerusalem where the camels had to get down on their knees and crawl through. That is a great illustration, and it's, there's not a bit of truth to it. Not any. There is no historical, biblical, or otherwise that there was a walkthrough uh, part that was called the eye of the needle. Because somebody without a sense of humor didn't realize that Jesus was being sarcastic. He was being sarcastic. That's all it is. He's trying to make a point, and he's trying to use a little bit of humor. And I think that we could all use a little bit of humor. And I know it's not a fun time right now, but just because it's not a fun time doesn't mean that we can't have joy of the Lord. So here we have three examples of humor used by Jesus. He used a pun. He used exaggeration. And he even used sarcasm. I'll leave you with one more. One more thought and one more verse. Did you know that children laugh five times more often than adults do? Five times more often. And it's sad that the older we get, the less we laugh. Unless you come work cattle with us, you'll laugh the whole time. Nearly five times as much as adults. And in Matthew 18, verse 3, Jesus says, Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Come on, guys. Where is our conviction? That's the serious side of this. Where's our convictions? But where's our humor? Where's our joy? Where's our love for others? Where's our sense of adventure and excited? You know, did, did Jesus come to live this abundant life? Except for humor. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing more detrimental to the kingdom of God than those uh, Eeyore Christians. Holy Lord. Holy Lord. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just made that up. That's pretty good. Eeyore Christians. Because I got in trouble for my holy hole. Nobody, nobody thought that was funny. Well, y'all did, but y'all know me. Have strong convictions, guys. Have a sense of humor. And just know that I love y'all. Let's pray. Father, help us to believe in you and what you say, but also let us learn to laugh and experience the true joy of writing for you. You will never fail us, even though we fail you daily. Forgive us our sins and show us the way to repentance and righteousness. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank y'all for coming. We'll see you next week.